Need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. Now, here's your host, Price Atkinson. All right, I want to thank our loyal listeners out of the gate for tuning in to another episode of Yards and Stripes. Man, what a weekend it was on the football field. Some exciting, incredible, and surprising results that we saw uh, transpire over the weekend. Uh, it was surprising to say the least because uh, the way these games uh, shook out, uh, it raised some eyebrows for me. And we're going to talk all about that coming up here on this episode. Also, <clears throat> want to let everybody know, subscribe, download, listen. You can listen every single week just by hitting subscribe at your favorite podcast app. It's that simple where you can download, listen, and, and get a new episode d- delivered right to your smartphone every week uh, just by searching Yards and Stripes and hitting the subscribe button. So want everybody to, uh, to to subscribe as you do and have many have done so. Been with us since season one as we are now in season three of Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. You know, I'm your host, Price Atkinson, excited to do this with you every single week. We do have a lot to get into. We also have our feature guest interview uh, with Colonel Heiss Gibson, a former Army Black Knight played football for the Black Knights. I want to give a shout out uh, not only to him for joining us this week, but also uh, to Stephen Astaborski, a, a loyal uh, West Point grad, uh, for giving me the idea. Um, and, and Colonel Heiss would be somebody great to talk to and have on the podcast. So appreciate Stephen and that idea, uh, but certainly going to bring you that conversation coming up here shortly. Uh, if you've got an idea, please let me know. Uh, hit me up on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you can give us a like at Yards and Stripes. Um, uh, follow. Uh, let me know if you got somebody that would be great to have on the podcast. I would love to hear your ideas because I know there's so many people out there and stories. Just bring them to me because I would love to hear. Also on this episode, we're going to look ahead to all three games this weekend, all three teams, I should say, in action. But more importantly, all three teams are at home this weekend. So we're going to talk about that coming up here in a little bit uh, with Army, Navy, and Air Force all having home games this weekend and certainly wrap up this episode of Yards and Stripes, like we do every single week, with the Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll segment. You know this is where we we remember a service member who has given the ultimate sacrifice. And the Travis Mannion Foundation, who has partnered and, and currently partnering with just thousands of, of families, loved ones, to continue that that uh, legacy uh, of character and commitment in local communities across the country. And Operation Legacy is is going on in the month of uh, November coming up. You find out ways that you can get involved with the Travis Mannion Foundation. Just go to travismannion.org and find a project where they are making a difference in a local community. They've got a map. It's that simple where you can just go on their website, travismanion.org and find out a lot more information how you can get involved uh, with the important work they're doing around the country but we got a lot to get into and we need to go back and look at what happened last weekend on the gridiron hut hut hike all right first game last weekend let's start in annapolis where the navy midshipmen they hosted the south florida bulls and the mids roll over the visitors from south florida 35 to 3 as the midshipmen Boy, a big afternoon for Malcolm Perry. 22 carries, 188 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he was 0-3 throwing the football with two picks, uh, but it was just a big day on the ground for the Navy midshipmen as Navy rolled up total 457 yards of offense, 434 of which was on the ground. They did turn the football over three times, but it was Navy uh, from the outset uh, jumping on the visiting Bulls as Malcolm Perry, a 67-yard touchdown run late in the first quarter. That opened the scoring, and then Jamal Carruthers 
the fullback rumbles 58 yards, shows some speed that hadn't really seen out of that fullback position in a while on the first play of the second quarter. That made it 14 to nothing. Uh, before you could blink, a, a C.J. Williams halfback pass to O.J. Davis, 23 yards out, made it 21 to nothing. South Florida would add a late field goal in the first half to make it 21 to three. But in the fourth quarter, Malcolm Perry, another long touchdown run. This one, a 21 yards, and then Taj Malloy, 26 yards out with six and a half to go for the game's final margin of 35 to three. The midshipmen now have won three in a row and sit five and one, just one win away from bowl eligibility. And more importantly, three and one in the American Athletic Conference, which we all know that one blemish came at Memphis where they let a late lead slip away. So Navy getting a 35 to three win over South Florida in Annapolis. Big game in Atlanta for the Black Knights and the Black Knights can't get it done against Georgia State, falling 28-21 to to the Panthers. First time Army now has been under 500 since 2015 as they sit now 3-4 overall. Georgia State improved to 5-2 overall this season, including 3-0 uh, at home. Uh, but a heck of a football game is, is Army in the game. They had a chance late in the football game. They got it down inside the Georgia State 30-yard line before Kelvin Hopkins Jr. was picked up and what was they were driving for the tying score. They can't get it. Uh, and so Georgia State holds on to win the football game. But the story of the game, really, Dan Ellington, the, the quarterback for Georgia State, mentioned last week really that definition of a true dual-threat guy uh, under center, 20-28 passing, does not throw a pick, 232 yards and three touchdowns. He also ran 10 times for 39 yards uh, as Trey Barnett also added, added 108 yards in a touchdown uh, for the Panthers. In the football game, the, uh, the Panthers did outgain Army 379-343 to on the day. Uh, it was Kelvin Hopkins Jr. who was 6-10, 65 yards with an interception. Connor Slomka, a rush for a team-high 89 yards, uh, while Sandy McCoy added two touchdowns. But, you know, in the game, uh, it, it was really back-and-forth, back-and-forth, where Georgia State got an early lead. Then Sandy McCoy, he tied it late in the first quarter with a two-yard touchdown run. Then Georgia State went back in front, 14-7, to midway through the second, before Sandy McCoy tied it again with one minute to go in the first half with an eight-yard touchdown run. But Jalen Moy gave Army a, a, a lead, their only lead of the game, midway through the, the third quarter, capping a 12-play, 75-yard drive, 6.43 off the clock. Moy goes 16 yards for the score. But the, the Panthers would come right back on their ensuing drive, uh, going on a 16-play, 75-yard drive of their own that covered 6.29. Trey Barnett, who I mentioned, led the, the Panthers in rushing over 100 yards again on the day. That put them in front or that put them 20 to 21 is the kick out of the point after fail uh, but it was the tie or it was a, a 21 point 20 point lead 2020 21-20 army leading and then in the fourth quarter midway through Aubrey Payne hauled in an eight yard touchdown pass from Ellington uh, to cap an 11 play 81 yard drive 528 off the clock that gave Georgia State the lead for good as I mentioned they would have to hold the defense would have to hold late in the game for Georgia State to survive is Army they drove it to the inside the Georgia State 20 or 38 yard line 30 yard line before Kelvin Hopkins Jr. is picked off by Quavian White at the goal line almost returns it 27 yards 
for, to preserve the victory. So Jeff Munkin's team now looking to try and get out of this free-for-all spiral as they drop to 3-4 and four overall. Wearing their special uniforms in Hawaii on Saturday night, they pay tribute to the C-17 aircraft. Those gray jerseys with the black lettering uh, that featured nine active C-17 Air Force bases in place of each player's last name. Boy, the Air Force Falcons, they went to Hawaii and scored a win. They could end up being one of their biggest victories of the season, 56-26 to over their Mountain West, fellow Mountain West opponent, Hawaii. Air Force improves to 5-2, and 3-1 and the Mountain West, while Hawaii drops to 4-3, and 1-2 and in the Mountain West. And it will be a game that senior quarterback backup Mike Schmidt won't forget anytime soon as he came off the bench to, to lead Air Force. As Donald Hammond Jr. III got hurt, fell on his throwing shoulder midway through that very first drive, Mike Schmidt comes in to relieve him as the Falcons would score touchdowns on their first four possessions, seven of ten drives overall. As the fourth-year senior out of Fletcher, North Carolina, Mike Schmidt, he had just carried the ball three times for 28 yards and never attempted a pass in the football game. He leads Air Force 147 yards passing and a touchdown through the air, including a team-high 14 carries and 120 yards with three touchdowns on the ground. A storybook game for Mike Schmidt, the backup quarterback who began the season third string for uh, the the Falcons. Air Force Air Force would fall behind three to nothing on an early field goal by Hawaii, but Caden Rimsburg would go in from two yards out to give Hawaii a lead or Air Force a lead. They would not relinquish the rest of the night. It was an active active third quarter or second quarter that saw the teams combine for 38 points, but one of which it ended with Hawaii scoring, getting a five-yard touchdown pass to score a late touchdown in the second quarter to come within 28-20. to That was as close as they would get the rest of the way. Timothy Jackson, who went over 100 yards in the football game for the Falcons with 13 carries, 113 yards, and a touchdown. His one touchdown came with the lone score by either team in the third quarter, capping a 14-play, 75-yard drive, 741 off the clock, giving Air Force a 35-20 lead. Hawaii would come back. They would get a quick uh, JoJo Ward 10-yard touchdown pass from Cole McDonald uh, to get within nine points but it was nothing but Falcons the rest of the way. A Mike Schmidt 61-yard touchdown run, then Schmidt an 18-yard touchdown run, capped by a Milton Bug, the third 92-yard interception, returns that interception 92 yards as he picked off Cole McDonald, the quarterback for Hawaii, who threw 34 attempts or completions in 52 attempts, 404 yards, but Hawaii turn, turned over three twice, excuse me, two turnovers in a critical fourth period as the Air Force defense, they get it done again. Just a fantastic job uh, by this defense. Uh, and also the offense, got to mention, six of their scoring drives covered at least 75 yards, including a, that 14-play, seven-minute and 41-second drive there as Jackson went in in the third quarter. So a big victory for Troy Calhoun's team. The Falcons now, they look like they are on a roll, having won two in a row since the loss of Navy, including three of their last four as they get ready for a big home game this weekend against Utah State before hosting Army. 
Well, that's it. It's time to give out our weekly game ball. And, boy, this week, uh, what a story. What a story that unfolded as we just talked to you a few minutes ago in recapping Air Force's win over Hawaii, 56-26 to on the road in Oahu. You know, Donald Hammond, the third starting quarterback for the Falcons, gets hurt, shoulder injury on that first series. And Mike Schmidt, uh, career backup, a uh, basically a third stringer when the season began behind Sanders and Hammond. You know, Schmidt, a senior, comes into the football game and, and directs this offense seamlessly as the native out of Fletcher, North Carolina, big 6'3 senior. Uh, he rushes for a team high 120 yards on 14 carries, also three touchdowns. And it wasn't just that. He also did it throwing the football, five of six, passing 147 yards, including a touchdown. What a storybook afternoon, or I should say late night in Hawaii for uh, the senior quarterback, Mike Schmidt, who afterwards Coach Troy Calhoun just said, you know, so many great guys on this team, but there are so many that are really highly respected by their teammates and, quote, yet none more than Mike Schmidt, end quote. That was Troy Calhoun uh, to the voice of the Falcons, Jim Arthur, after the game. So our weekly game ball goes to Mike Schmidt, number 16, the senior quarterback, who came into the football game after Donald Hammond got hurt early in the game, first quarter, and directs Air Force to a huge win in the Mountain West Conference, 56-26 to over Hawaii. All right, when we come back, our featured guest interview this week, Colonel Heiss Gibson. He's a tenured professor uh, currently in systems engineering at, at, at West Point, a visiting scholar at, at the Harvard Business School, got his doctorate there at Harvard, also a military fellow at the MIT Lincoln Laboratory. Uh, just some amazing things that the former Army Black Knight football player is going to join us in an amazing conversation. I hope you'll stick around for when we come back right here on Yards and Strikes. So many games to muddle through. Who's looking for an angle? Who's looking for an upset? We're looking for it every week as part of Three Dog Thursday. Hi, I'm TJ Reeves. Join me for the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to picking those underdogs. My co-host Kevin Rogers is a senior handicapper from VegasInsider.com, and we do a great job of analyzing and predicting at least three underdogs to look for every week in college football and in the pros. Plus, when the college basketball season rolls around, we got to keep picking underdogs all the way through the Final Four. It's Three Dog Thursday. Subscribe to our podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Podcast. And when picking those underdogs in the football and college basketball season, remember our podcast, Three Dog Thursday. The latest with Navy, Army, and Air Force on Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. Here again is Price Atkinson. All right, welcome back in to Episode 10 of Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy Football. Again, I'm your host, Price Atkinson, and we're now joined by our featured guest this week, former Army Black Knight football player, a graduate, 1997 graduate of the United States Military Academy, Colonel Heiss Gibson, I uh, served uh, active duty more than 20 years, uh, active duty in the U.S. Army. Colonel Gibson, look, thank you so much for taking the time this week. And, you know, for somebody, you know, decorated, has served in so many variety of roles in the Army. Uh, it's just an honor to have you to, to talk about uh, your career, uh, you know, where, how you got to where you are and leadership, crisis, all kinds of different things. Just thank you so much for the time, Colonel Gibson. Uh, absolutely. Happy to share and uh, 
look forward to, to the discussion. Yeah, absolutely. As you are now a uh, tenured professor, uh, academy professor of systems engineering at the United States military back on campus at West Point. I, you know, I guess, uh, you know, you and I were chatting just before we, we, we started the interview, you know, uh, first of all, you know, certainly our thoughts and prayers with, with everybody around the West Point community is, you know, a cadet has, has been missing now for, I think about a day. Um, so we're, we're crossing our fingers and praying that everything, you know, ends happily, uh, there, but also I know there's a, a consternation of a different kind over more on the athletic side where you've got uh, a three game losing streak right now. Um, and the black Knights and coach Munkin's team just trying to get out of this downward spiral. So yeah, I guess uh, on the football side, let's start on the, you know, certainly praying for, for the missing cadet and hopefully everything turns out well, but also on the football side, you know, what in the world can Coach Munkin do to get this thing turned around, Colonel Colonel Gibson? Well, I think um, uh, fully fully support um, the staff and and uh, and Coach Munkin, and I think I mean he's doing what he's supposed to do. Yep. Uh, as as a uh, as a college coach and and the the team, just like whenever someone gets hit in the face in boxing, in boxing class here at West Point, they just have to recover. And I mean the. the uh, the, the team and the staff are all focused on pushing the needle in the right direction, and, and they're, they're doing those things. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the things that, um, you know, we're going to talk about it, and you give uh, a lot of talks uh, around the country is you're also a visiting scholar at the Harvard Business School, and I watched one of your recent talks. But, you know, you, you talk about, um, you know, you know, how to handle a, a crisis, and I'm not going to say it's crisis mode on, on, on the gridiron for Coach Munkin, but, you know, three and four now, and, you know, as a former player, you know, you've played some really good teams. I mean, how do you handle, in, in a position of leadership, your Coach Munkin, this coaching staff, what what do you do when it comes crisis time, how to handle something like this? Uh, I, I think relating to just in, a, in general and how we think about Trying to manage crisis and manage uh, an organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, lot, a lot of times, it's just going back to basics. But and and in larger organizations, the, mm-hmm. the ones I've been associated with, it's it's all about ensuring that you're able to develop the appropriate amount of trust between um, leaders and the led, so to speak. Yep. And and so that's a that's a big thing. And normally, when we all go through any situations where um, your challenge or there's conflict, uh, that, that's really when you get to uh, see your, your, your individual merits, and, uh, and it requires leaders to really uh, narrow their focus uh, on those things that they want to ensure the organization uh, achieves the results they want them to achieve. Uh, and, and that just comes down to how do you, how do you communicate? And at least in the, in the military, we use uh, something called commander's intent. Mm-hmm. So, in managing crisis, uh, one all organizations have challenges communicating. But in the, in the army, <laughs> we we communicate in a very concise way when we talk about leaders' intent or commanders' intent, uh, which provides the purpose, the why, the key task. What are those things that need to be done in order for us not to fail? And then the hardest thing is developing the end state. What do we? How do we want this thing to end? Yep. Do, you know, what what are those goals we want to achieve? And that is how in which we communicate, which allows uh, subordinate leaders to um, exercise discipline initiative, meaning they're able to operate and make decisions when the situation around them change. Yep. Uh, and that's just that, that helps in the Army, that helps in life, and it helps 
on any sports field. You know, it's somebody you grew up in Lufkin, Texas, uh, Colonel Gibson, and you now, um, you know, you charted a path to West Point. You know, how, how did that path, how did that, how was that path? How did, how did that path lay out for you uh, to get to, to West Point to play football four years of college football? Uh, well, for me, it, it's, what's funny is when we think about the 90s uh, before the, uh, the, the Internet and uh, uh, yeah. Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, or Twitter, um, I literally uh, walked in my uh, high school in the summertime. So we, in Texas, you, you lived in the summer uh, in, the, in the heat. Yep. And uh, there was a, uh, a, a mailer, and I mailed in my information to West Point as a sophomore. Uh, and then never heard, never knew what it was, just saw a uniform uh, in, in, my, in my town. Folks went to the Naval Academy normally because the Naval Academy graduate or went to Air Force because an Air Force guy yep. in our town. It's very small where I'm from. But my high school football coach knew that I was interested in Army uh, and helped uh, Army find me as they were recruiting between Houston and Dallas. Mm-hmm. And they stopped off in my town, and that's kind of how it started. Uh, and so um, uh, I knew I wanted to play college football. I knew I wanted to do something different. And West Point is as different as you can, as you can be as somebody from a small town from Texas. Uh, and so – that's kind of what what motivated me to just do something different. Not, not that I you know knew knew about the service part of it. <laughs> yeah. The coaches explained that going in the army was was like getting a job. <laughs> That's exactly how they communicated it. Which they were they're right. At, at eight at eighteen, going into the army is like a job. Uh, at twenty two, when you're twenty two, uh, and but, but we we both know that the the army and military service is a lot more than a job. Uh, and that, that came later, uh, but it was, a, it was a great experience being recruited and then having the opportunity to go to the West Point prep school to prepare myself to go to West Point. So it was, for, for me, that was the best path, that extra year of prep school really solidified the core skills necessary to, um, to be successful uh, of, of the rigor that West Point has on every individual. You know, and in, in, in something I listened to an interview where you, where you talked about that school wasn't easy. You know, you overcame, I, I believe, ADHD, uh, you know, growing up. And um, that's, that school, you know, the path of least, least resistance is oftentimes, especially young people, is, is the one that we opt to take. And, you know, that, that school ultimately, that, that, was, that, that was a route where you had to work, you had to work at it. And obviously, you, there's no way you – yeah, anybody goes into a service academy and coast, but you know, at what point did that kind of, you know, did you learn? Well, that path of least resistance has got to change. I got to commit. I got to be able to do this. I got to put my nose to the grind. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think for me that's that's a great question. I think for me that happened when I was at prep school uh, in New Jersey at Fort Monmouth. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was really really smart uh, in East Texas, <laughs> in <laughs> Lufkin, Texas. I was a pretty smart kid. Yeah. Uh, but then I went to prep school, which is post-secondary education. Right. And at that time, the prep school focused on math and English. And it was more of a college prep situation where, you know, they, we take the SAT, you know, we do a little military stuff. Uh, but that was the focus. And in that first grading period during football season, uh, I think I received three Ds on a C. Uh, and it was like, a, I think it was a 1.6 GPA. I mean, the fact that I remember all that, those kind of details might tell you something. Mm-hmm. And, and so <laughs> uh, at that point, 
I mean, you know, if, if you don't get through prep school, there's no way you can get into West Point. I mean, it's impossible. Yep. Uh, and I remember calling my dad and asking him, you know, hey, hey dad, you know, this stuff is, is hard. It's September. I mean, I'm, I'm failing. It's basic math that I, that I should know. Uh, but I think the stress of the environment, all the pressures, even at prep school, so different than being in East Texas, was challenging. And I re- remember my dad just telling me, you know, okay, so what are you going to do now? And that's really all he said. And then, like, hung up. I mean, this is a phone, not a cell phone. Yep. <laughs> I was outside uh, at a pay phone. Uh, and at that moment, it was, it was like a, a switch flipped. Wow. So I needed to do something different. So ask for additional instruction, get help from my, my classmates, um, study harder, you know, just more reps. Mm-hmm. And so that, uh, and so similar to how we get better on a, on a football field or a basketball field, basketball court, for soccer field, more reps. And mm-hmm. so that's how I approach it. And that, that kind of um, discipline is what got me through the academy, flight school, <laughs> multiple graduate schools, uh, is that kind of rigor, you know, just more reps, asking for help, finding the right team, uh, not having the hubris to think I know. And even when I do know, verifying that I know and then helping others. Yeah. Things that I do know. So that you could, those others that you're helping will, will reciprocate in the future, but never looking to get something when you're given. You, you know, I'm I'm curious and continue with Colonel Heist Gibson, United States Military Academy, Academy where uh, Colonel Gibson is a tenure professor uh, in the uh, systems engineering, also a visiting scholar at the Harvard Business School. And I'm curious because you played for Coach Sutton and in, in leadership, I mean, it's just a word that is, it just goes hand in hand when you talk about graduating from a military academy. Uh, from from the field standpoint, what did you learn from, you know, you played for Coach Sutton for four years, you guys went out, you, you personally and your senior class go out on top, uh, you know, 10-2, and two, a bowl game, um, a, a fantastic finish to a career. What did you learn from coaches, other players, your peers about leadership uh, from the sport of football and being a, a, a student athlete? I, I think yeah, that's a great question. I think um, in the 90s, Coach Sutton – uh, and that, that team of coaches, and just uh, to provide a plug, the, a lot of those coaches that coach with Coach Sutton uh, during that period, a lot of them went off and have become exceptional offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators uh, on major college football teams and in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that collection of coaches were, if, if we do an autopsy, were, were pretty good. Yep. Uh, just exceptional individuals that a lot of us still talk to to, to this day. Um, and so the things that I think that I learned around leadership uh, uh, during that period, uh, I'll attribute it to like the class of 96, those folks who were a year ahead of me. Because if, if you look back, I think we were four and seven my, uh, our junior year mm-hmm. uh, or my sophomore year or, or may, somewhere in there. Uh, but that, that team, that class of 96 team, those leaders – we're really focused on getting back to basics. And mm-hmm. what I mean in, in, the, in a service academy situation, that means be a good cadet. Yep. Do, the, do the basic blocking and tackling as a cadet in order to relieve distractions on the field. That's how – and, and they were ridiculously deliberate about establishing that culture. Mm-hmm. And we had some characters in that class. 
just generally. Um, but that eth- that cultural ethos then carried over to my senior class, mm-hmm. and that's how we approached football in the team. In order, to, we wanted to be good cadets first, athletes second, to relieve distractions. And in, in my senior class, there's twenty twenty four of us who were who were seniors. We literally stayed at the academy for eighteen straight months. Wow! So from the so from the from January 1995 through actually almost two years, January 1995 through December 31st 1996, we remained at the academy. Mm-hmm. We we had our details together. We did summer school together. We did our summer training together, and then the season together. So we made a deliberate decision to stay tight and stay together and carry on that culture. And so if we fast forward uh, as a battalion commander in the 82nd, uh, I really cared about basic blocking and tackling mm-hmm. and, and, and enabling the, my ability to, with great sergeant majors, great staff officers, NCOs, to change a culture of an organization that was accustomed to being deployed in Afghanistan to a sustained readiness model in order to be prepared for anything and everything that the nation requires. Um, and, but I, I really leveraged what I learned uh, as a football player yeah. uh, at West Point around just focusing on the basics and not trying to be too complex, not trying to overthink things, and empowering others and trusting others to act yep. and giving people leeway to make mistakes. Yep. I, I think one of the interesting things, and, and you pointed this out to me, and, and it's obviously not, you know, uh, it, my dad who served in, in the Army, you know, uh, but not career-wise like you have. I, I You pointed it out to me, which I think is really interesting because you're, you kind of have a sort, sort of an atypical career, right, uh, in that, um, you know, the places you've been and, and how you've kind of gone back and forth. You know, you, I mean, you, you served in the combat zone you know, as a Black Hawk helicopter pilot, um, you know, you most recently were, were uh, Commander 3rd Battalion, 82nd Aviation Regiment at Fort Bragg uh, in charge of hundreds of soldiers. But that's where you are. Then you go right to basically almost a classroom environment, and you've served as a guest lecturer, uh, visit, uh, as a fellow at many different schools and institutions. But, you know, to kind of go from, you know, the you know combat zone to academics to the way you've kind of moved around, it's really interesting and, and atypical, I think, is the word you used. Uh, yeah, and and I think that's the 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 beauty of a uh, of military service. There, there's not one path, and that, that's even what our, our current chief staff, of the Army, uh-huh. uh, is proposing as we think about managing talent. Is there's not one path to success, right. and uh, we're fortunate across all services to have phenomenal individuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we cannot constrain uh, our talent to just one one lens, one path, because we need, you know, America's best to serve our nation. Yep. And so I, I've been very fortunate to have the opportunities uh, to allow me to serve in hard assignments with exceptional soldiers, and then the opportunity to go to some of the, some of the best schools mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to focus on thinking deeply about things that then I can immediately apply back to the service in the tactical in the tactical army, and then later now uh, in academia, we're preparing cadets to be those future lieutenants that I just left serving with. Yep. Uh, and so having the opportunity 
to to see the product of a service academy and ROTC uh, as a battalion commander, and then now to be in an environment to help build uh, through through education, rigorous education, those leaders that my teammates will see out in the fort is a uh, I, I really am blessed to have had this opportunity. You know, uh, Colonel Gibson, I, I don't want to keep you too much longer because this has just been a fascinating conversation to me. For me, I mean, your husband, a father, a leader. Um, you know, you got your doctorate from you know Harvard Business School in business administration. I mean, you're you're also in addition to teaching at, at the United States Military Academy, a, a military fellow at MIT Lincoln Laboratory. I mean, just a distinguished, incredible career. I'm, I'm curious, you know, when you do the things that you've done. You know, who who might be one? I know it's probably hard to even single one person out, but who might be that one person that had that, that big, lasting, you know, impact on you as is not just, a, you know, as, as a professional, as, as an officer, but, you know, as a person? And then, you know, what has been your biggest honor in serving the United States in these roles that you've served in as a leader? Uh, I, I think uh, that's a great question. I think for me, you're right, I can't really – it's challenging to narrow it down to yeah. uh, one one person. But I can definitely narrow it, narrow it down to a couple, uh, and I, if you, I'll, I'll name them. There's a one of my mentors is a major general retired Barry Price, who was a captain when I was a cadet and has been with me my entire career, <laughs> the, the the entire uh, evolution of, of who I am. I, he's always been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a, a gentleman by the name of Ted Childs, who was a uh, the first uh, chief diversity officer basically uh, ever mm-hmm. at IBM uh, who's known me my entire life. Uh, and, and Ted retired probably back in the nineties from IBM, but has been a, a steadfast individual. Uh, and then uh, a guy named uh, Steve Dwyer, West Point class of 80. He was my first aviation battalion commander um, who uh, again, allowed me to fly mm-hmm. and it, in uh role model leadership uh, and at least provided me and my wife a uh, a better understanding around what what does this army life might look like Mm -hmm. Uh, and and again another individual who I stayed close to and then the last person I'll name is uh, Bernie Banks who's a Brigadier General retired Bernie Banks uh, Apache pilot a Westmore graduate uh, who was a, a a uh, PUSMA, a permanent use of faculty and, and mm-hmm. chair of the Department of Behavioral Science and Leadership here at West Point has been a mentor to me for uh, 15 years and, and a role model. So as a pilot, seeing another pilot, first you got a doctorate, commanded a battalion. I mean, so, so it helped me see what could be, mm-hmm. and which is important. So having role models is, is a key. Having the ability to reach back and talk to people and, and ask those hard questions and have those mentors is key, and it it hopefully reminds it not only reminds me but hopefully others that you can't walk this life by yourself. Yeah, West Point was, is not an individual experience. <laughs> the Army is not an individual experience. Going through these academic institutions, although some think are individual experiences, are not. Uh, and so I've been fortunate to have reminders consistently uh, and touch points with very critical individuals at the right time to ensure that I didn't go off the rails. Well, Colonel Gibson, this is, this has just been, uh, I, fantastic to say the least. Uh, and, and I'm just so thankful and privileged to have some of your time today. Um, you know, your message, I, I, I 
I, I just think it's it's fantastic, and you know, watching some of your talks uh, online on YouTube, uh, luckily to, to have had the time to, to do that in, in researching and, and learning more about your career before we talk today. But look, it's just been uh, just been fantastic to have this time with you, and I, I know um, you know a lot of uh, friends and Black Knight uh, you know fans. It, look, it's just uh, an honor to have this time, and the the biggest thing I just say is thank you for for your service to the country because it uh, exemplary, and, and it's people like you. That, that do make that that make that difference in so many different ways. Uh, hey, th- thanks for the opportunity, and uh, really uh, appreciate the time. And uh, you know, go Army, beat Navy. Wow, what a fantastic conversation there with Colonel Heiss Gibson, United States Military Academy graduate, 1997, former Black Knight uh, football player. Uh, just some amazing things and stories he shared with us. Just so lucky to to have that time with him. All right, when we come back, we're going to take a look at what's ahead this coming weekend with all three teams in action at home. We're going to do that next, right here on Yards and Stripes. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Mannion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the words he spoke before his final deployment. If not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Manion Foundation. And through TMF, these words can live in you too. Show the world what you're made of, because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org. It's everything you need to know about Service Academy football. Yards and Stripes continues. Here again is Price Atkinson. All right, time to look ahead to what we got on the docket this Saturday. And all three teams in action, all three teams at home, as I mentioned, uh, starting with the Black Knights. They're going to try and get out of this tailspin, but the best thing for Army is right now they are going back to Mikey Stadium and back on campus at West Point as they will host the San Jose State State Spartans. Both teams come into this game with identical three and four records. Both teams also in desperate need of a win. The Spartans have also lost several in a row, two to be exact. This game is going to be a 12-noon kickoff on CBS Sportsnet. Right now, Army, uh, early in the week installed, is a 10-point favorite in this football game. And this will be the second all-time meeting between San Jose State and Army. Last year, the Black Knights went all the way out and took down the Spartans 52-3 to and just rolled all over them out there in the Bay Area in a game that was played at the San Francisco 49er Stadium. So the San Jose State Spartans, they're going to make the cross-country trip and return that favor this time, but hopefully the Black Knights can do what they need to do and get back to even Steven with a win and 4-4 four and four overall on the season. In Annapolis on Saturday, a big American Athletic Conference showdown between Tulane, 5-2 and two overall, 2-1 two and one in the American, taking on, the, obviously, the host midshipmen, 5-1, and one, have won three straight, 3-1 three and one in the American Athletic. This one also going to be on CBS Sportsnet, kicking off at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Navy installed is a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this football game. Uh, Tulane, a big, uh, a, one of the stories earlier in the season in college football, Willie Fritz's team, though, had their four-game winning streak snapped. 
at Memphis last week, 47-17, to that one common opponent between Navy uh, and Tulane uh, being Memphis. But it's going to be homecoming in Annapolis on Saturday. Homecoming the last couple seasons hasn't been kind to Navy as they've lost two uh, in a row on homecoming there in Annapolis. But they've got a chance to get bowl eligible uh, with a win. It'd be the 15th time in the last 17 years if Navy can get a win to get back to being bowl eligible. Tulane leads the overall series. 12 to 10 to 1. There, yes, there is a tie uh, in there. But this game is going to feature the eighth-ranked rushing offense of Tulane, 287 yards a game against the 16th-ranked rush defense in the country of Navy, giving up just 96.7 uh, yards a game. And also, uh, the scoring offense of Tulane, 36 points a game, ranked 24th in the country against Navy's 12th-ranked scoring defense, giving up just 16 points a game. Big battle in the American Athletic in Annapolis. Tulane at Navy, 3.30 p.m. kickoff on CBS Sports Net. Also, and finally on Saturday, game at 10.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, Utah State and Air Force. Big Mountain West Conference game for these two teams. It's going to kick off on ESPN2. Again, 10.15 Eastern Standard Time on the deuce. Utah State coming into the game 4-2 and overall, 3-0 and in the Mountain West, while Air Force, we know a big win last week over Hawaii. They're 5-2 and overall, 3-1 and in the Mountain West. It's going to be a whiteout affair on Saturday night uh, in Colorado Springs at Falcon Stadium, honoring longtime mascot Aurora, which passed away earlier this season. So Air Force fans encouraged to wear all their white to get decked out on Saturday night at Falcon Stadium. Going to be the eighth all-time meeting between these two teams. Air Force does lead the overall series four wins to just three losses. But if history tells us anything, it tells us that this should be a very close football game. The last four games decided all by less than 10 points, 10 points or less, as this this series has been decided the last four meetings. But Utah State coming into this game uh, off a 36-10 win in the snow at home against Nevada, uh, but a big game, 3-0 and Utah State out of the Mountain West, and then Air Force 3-1 and in the Mountain West, trying to stay right there atop the division standings. Air Force in Utah State. On Saturday night, 10:15, on ESPN2. All right. When we come back, our Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll segment, where we honor and remember a service member who has given the ultimate sacrifice for our country. That's coming up next. The Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll here on Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. Welcome back into Yards and Stripes. And now it's time for our Travis Manion Foundation Honor Roll segment where you know that we honor a member uh, of the military who has given the ultimate sacrifice for uh, for our nation and for our freedoms. And you know, this week we're going to honor or remember Staff Sergeant Mark J. Small of the United States Army who lost his life, gave the ultimate sacrifice on February the 12th, 2009 when he was killed in uh, enemy fire enemy firefight uh, during a combat reconnaissance patrol mission in Afghanistan and he was a special forces operational detachment alpha team uh, member uh, as a medical sergeant uh, assigned to company A of the 1st battalion 3rd special forces forces group um, based out of Fort Bragg and uh, Mark who um, loved medicine uh, from the age of 
early on in life, um, as he was described as, you know, when the internet was still in its early stages, he was always curious and explored and found a program that taught him how to perform an appendectomy. Uh, and that routine was, was such that the steps would be followed and a mistake resulted in an online patient's death. Well, Mark did the procedure over 100 times and he was finally successful uh, when the online patient recovered. Uh, and his interest in precision and art led to its mastery as he uh, later became a medic for his special forces group, which demonstrated just his incredible bravery. And as the Travis Manion Foundation writes, Mark was never boastful. His loved ones remembered being so proud of his accomplishment. However, Mark would never tell anyone of what he did for a living as a Green Beret, as they call them, quote, the quiet professionals, end quote, that could perfectly describe Mark Small. He was a professional and quiet about what he did for a living. Uh, they went on to write, uh, he was a special person. He was brilliant in his mindset, emotional when he would hear the national anthem or during an event that would bring out these emotions and would pull back when he knew it was time to listen and not react. And Mark Small uh, survived by uh, his mother and father, Mary and Peter of Collegeville, uh, Pennsylvania, and his parents. Uh, his mom specifically talked about getting involved with the Travis Manning Foundation and just what a difference it's made in her life and the life of her family. You heal so much more when you're helping others, and I see how much we help these people, and it just, it just puts a smile on my face if I don't do anything. I was afraid that I would never, ever be able to smile and laugh and live again, and I feel that Travis Mannion has greatly helped me to do that. That was his mother, Mark Small's mother, Mary McFarland of Collegeville, Pennsylvania. And, you know, Mark got his medical training at John F. Kennedy's Special Warfare Center and at the school at Joint Special Operation Medical Training Center. As he earned the coveted Green Beret title in 2007, and he was later awarded the Purple Heart Medal, Army Army Commendation Medal, Army Achievement Medal, Good Conduct Medal, and many, many other uh, decorations uh, posthumously. Uh, but you know, his top character traits, curiosity, bravery, social intelligence, and humility, and those are continued with his family's involvement with the Travis Manion Foundation that's making a difference in lives across the country. So we want to just take this time to remember folks like Mark J. Small and, and so many others who have put their life on the line every single day that do it everywhere here at home and around the world, but those also and to their family members and loved ones who have given the ultimate sacrifice. They, uh, they are certainly remembered and they are never, ever forgotten because they are always in our minds and our, in our hearts. Through Travis Mannion Foundation's Operation Legacy Service Projects, veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians across the country come together under the common cause to serve in honor of our nation's heroes. Service projects include city beautifications, planting memorial trees, volunteering at shelters, park cleanups, and more. Ask yourself, if not me, then who? And register for a project near you or as a virtual volunteer by visiting oplegacy.org. All right, that just about does it. Again, go visit our friends, travismanion.org. Find out how you can make a difference uh, in a local community, in your local community, uh, around the country. Just some amazing work that the Travis Manion Foundation is doing. want to thank them once again for partnering with us this season, uh, as they did again with us last year. Uh, just some amazing people, Ryan Manion and her incredible team at the Travis Manion Foundation. All right, thanks to everybody for tuning in, folks. I appreciate uh, each and every one of you. 
uh, for taking the time to listen every single week. My passion for Service Academy football. I hope it's clear every single week that I just love what the Black Knights, the midshipmen, uh, and the Falcons do on the football field. But more than that, just what these Service Academies stand for in developing leaders uh, for future generations. And so it's just really special to me uh, to have this time with you every single week to to tell some of the stories, to talk about what happens on the field and off regarding Army, Navy, and Air Force. So we will do this again next week. Uh, if you want to listen to past episodes, you can do that. But I would love for you to subscribe, uh, download, listen. You can just search subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Just search Yards and Stripes and write us, give us a review. Uh, give us four or five stars. It doesn't matter, three. Uh, we'll take whatever you want. But if you give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, you scroll to the very bottom uh, when you subscribe, and you can hit how many stars you want to give it. But it just makes it easier for others to find us every single week here on Yards and Stripes. So for myself, Price Atkinson, I appreciate it, each and every one of you for listening. Good luck to all the teams this weekend. I know we're going to have a whole lot more exciting stuff to talk about next week right here on Yards and Stripes. To get more on all things Service Academy football, like Yards and Stripes on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at Yards and Stripes. And as always, you can subscribe to Yards and Stripes on iTunes and Stitcher. Join us again next time for Yards and Stripes Service Academy football.